You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man, as a two-time felon, I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Freedom Pact. Okay, my guest on the Freedom Pact podcast today is Dr. Patrick Porter, brain researcher, mental coach, best-selling author. Patrick, welcome to the Freedom Pact podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I wanted to have you on the show today um, because this is a topic that is becoming um, increasingly popular. Um, I think even young people today are obsessed with this topic. It was always something when I was younger, brain health, these subjects, I always thought, I don't have to worry about these things yet. You know, I'll worry about these things when I'm, you know, 50, 60 years old. But what age do you think that people should start thinking about topics like brain health, like, you know, brain fitness, mental fitness, mental wellness, Alzheimer's, what all these topics, what age should we start becoming conscious of these? Well, I think children should actually start at four years old because that's when the brain starts to regulate. Well, so most people don't think of children as having stress, but because if you ever walked in, if you remember as a child walking in and your parents arguing, we feel that and it has an influence on us. So if a kid has ADD, ADHD, we need to start doing some brain fitness right away. You know, don't wait. Don't wait till it becomes a problem. There's something we call prehab or, you know, I, I like to say it's better to have a breakthrough than a breakdown. So that's kind of what we're talking about. So as we have this um, and then now, if that's not the case, then obviously, whenever you're feeling stress, having to make decisions, you know, uh, we, we actually say most people aren't using the full potential. They're using the full uh a capacity maybe that they have for their brain, but they're not using its full potential. So that's where even for learning and things like that. But as we age, I mean, right now we're having people getting onset dementia at 30 years old. I mean, that's like when I was growing up, which was a lot younger than a lot older than you are, you know, we, I, I don't remember anyone in my family having being senile and my, my grandparents lived to be nineties and things like that. So there's something about our lifestyle. And I think it's the stress we're under. So I think if you're having trouble sleeping with two thirds of the world, not sleeping, right. It's a brain fitness problem. It's not a sleeping problem. It's not it's exactly a sleeping problem. It's the brain isn't able to regulate. It's not able to get out of its own way and turn on the sleep mode. It keeps in its awake mode. So, and, and I think that there's the science actually shows the sooner you start to work on your brain health, the less likely it is for you to get dementia. And I always use the um, analogy of, uh, Tom Brady, who through his company called TBRX uses brain tap. And he always says, it's, it's better to have prehab than rehab, hmm. you know, so you don't have to have a, remember, you don't have to have a breakdown. Every one of us is a brain and we have to maintenance and most people don't ever do anything. We used to think, of course, 20 years ago, nobody thought we could actually create a change to our brain. The the old philosophy was, hey, if you're a carpenter, a carpenter, if you're a bookkeeper, you're a bookkeeper, you know, you you don't, you know, or if you're an athlete, you're an athlete, there's, 
but we now know the brain can change. It can learn, grow, and develop new neuron connections. So I think that if you have a brain, in one of the, you don't have to do brain tap or what I do, but there's got, there's a lot of ways we can talk about brain fitness. Uh, number one is uh, to to regulate emotions, because right now there's this big problem out there in the world. They're calling it mental health. You know, this mental health problems that we have. I believe, even though my, my degree is in psychology, I think we have a physiological problem, not a psychological problem. What I mean by that is the nervous system is so stressed out, it doesn't know how to change gears from this fight or flight to our rest and recovery mode. And so those people that are doing like, let's say physical exercise, maybe that's the way they release all that pent up tension and stress. That's really good for your brain. Now, the next thing they need to add is some kind of relaxation component so they get the neuroplasticity out of it. But there's, we can go into a little bit more on that, but there's, so it's, it's not like there's a, there's a certain age because those age things have all went out the window, especially in the last uh, three years, you know, some craziness has happened out there that has caused our brains to uh, dysregulate. Amazing. I want to dive into all of that uh, practical stuff you talked about there, but before we get there, um, it is uh, Alzheimer's Awareness Month. We, we talked about it there. When... My traditional um, ideas around dementia, Alzheimer's, before I really looked into the topic, it was that it was this horrible disease that you either inherit or you don't. Um, is this something that is preventable? Is this something that we have any control over, any influence over, or are we almost um, subject to our fate with, with dementia and Alzheimer's? I think it's 100% preventable. Wow. Um, mainly because we didn't have this. 30 years ago, very few people had this disorder. Hmm. So it's not like we, we're not, our, our body isn't evolving to have, uh, you know, these problems. It's, it's our lifestyle that's doing it. And the main thing is, think of your brain in another way uh, as a mitochondria machine. And what mitochondria does to the cells, it absorbs energy and transmits energy. So if we have a bad diet, number one, the first thing you can do to prevent all uh, this, I mean, this problem of dementia or uh, Alzheimer's is your diet. You have to eat a diet rich in fats. You have to, you have to get rid of the sugar. Uh, you know, I don't like to always tell people what not to do, but that's one thing you need to get rid of because sugar kills the mitochondria. Uh, fats, your brain is almost all fats. We also need to drink half our body's weight in ounces of water. So you can drink whatever else you want, but make sure during the day, if you weigh, let's say 150 pounds, you're drinking 75 ounces of water. That's going to be a di big difference because a lot of people, their biggest problem is dehydration. So we're not getting enough fluids right now. Also, we need to get out and like get into light. The most underprescribed nutrient on earth today is light. People don't think of it as a nutrient, but every cell of your body needs light. To give your listeners an, an example, if you don't get to sleep by 10 o'clock at night, wherever you're at at the planet, every hour before 12 is worth two hours after 12 for building melatonin. Your liver doesn't start cleansing until 11 o'clock, but you have to be asleep for it to happen. So if you don't go to sleep at 11 before 11 o'clock, you don't get the same liver cleansing process. Now your liver even though we're not going to talk about it here as much, but the liver is directly linked to brain health. A lot of the functions of the liver affect the brain. And if you don't do something about your stress, you're going to have this problem. 
And I'll give you one example, just so the listeners understand. Your liver houses 25 grams of sugar. It's just sitting there. And it's waiting for that tiger to come up behind you. And then it dumps that sugar into your bloodstream so you can run away safely. And all the muscles use up that sugar, no problem. We're designed to have that happen maybe four or five times a week. Well, with social media and the news and everything that's going on in the world today, that's happening more than that in the morning. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but so what happens to the other 24 grams of sugar that your body can't use? Because you can only have one circulating teaspoon of sugar in the bloodstream. It has to go to the adipose tissue in, in fat, makes fat. Mm. So that fat then will downregulate all your nervous system because it starts to create its own nervous system. Fat has its own intelligence. So when somebody, it's almost like something takes them over. So when somebody says, I can't believe I'm overweight, I don't eat any sugar. It's not what they're eating. It's what's eating them. So you have to learn to, in just to give you an idea for the listeners that don't understand the biology of how this all happens, when that sugar is dumped into the system, the body has to create the, uh, it has to then produce the buffering system of the body has to then produce the way to save you from all that sugar. And then we have an insulin drip. So the body starts saying, you know what? They're stressed all the time. Let me just drip this insulin all day long. Well, then what happens is the adrenals burn out. And then, so it's all a biological problem. And then, but people are telling people it's a psychological problem. The problem is that they're not handling their stress appropriately. And they're not, uh, basically, there's a saying, you know, 97% of what's going to happen to you tomorrow, we know about today, but most people pretend they don't know. So everything becomes a shock to them. So one of the best things you can do is start shifting your awareness. Life isn't a series of threats. Life is a series of challenges. You, we have a thinking immune system. So when you think about autoimmune, they know, just as one example, they sold 40% more allergy medicine when they started advertising on the Weather Channel here in America because that triggered people psychosomatically. So the brain created the reaction because your immune system is not just located in one place. It's everywhere in every cell. So if you have a, a, and if you're constantly looking at your life as a series of threats, your body is now cannibalizing itself. That's going to lead to dementia. It's going to lead to Alzheimer's. These are all people want to deal with. They want to deal with the end result, Alzheimer's. But it started years before you got that. You know, like they say, if you can, if you can't smell peanut butter or if you're smelling toast, these are ways that people know. But when that happens, it's, it's, that means you're already in the throes of it. Mm. We've got to, you, you don't need to be able, you, if you can smell peanut butter now, congratulations, but still work on your brain. Let's get it fixed so you can do better. Because if your brain's working better, guess what? Everything else is working better. Your parasympathetic's working better. That's how you downregulate and rest, recover, and relax. Where, with two thirds of the world not sleeping, like I said earlier, <clears throat> rest is when your body incubates its superpowers for the day. You know, that's when you get all your neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have your neurotransmitters, you're not going to feel good. You're going to you're going to be an angry, upset person because you're going to be downregulating. And all this actually affects the genetic system, the epigenetics. You know, in every 40 seconds, most people don't realize this, but every 40 seconds, every gene pair in your body adapts. It adapts to the food you're consuming, the thoughts you're thinking, the people you're around, the buildings you're in, everything. There's not one thing that doesn't play into that role. So when somebody says, what's it going to take? It's going to take a lifestyle. 
to, to make this change. It's not going to, most people want to take a pill, but you can't have a pill without the skill. Yeah. You know, you've got to have the skill because the pill, the body eventually is going to become immune to that pill. That's why they keep coming up with different pills because our body isn't designed. The most powerful pharmacy is between your ears, yeah. not on the shelf at a corner drugstore. You know, you have the most powerful pharmacy. You can make yourself feel good or you can make yourself sick depending upon your thoughts. No, this is this is something I've spoken um, at length about with uh, Darren O'Lean about this idea of if there was a, a magical pill that well, not even a magical pill, if there was a pill that contained all the right, uh, you know, the, all the right nutrients, all the right vitamins, all the right minerals, and someone could take that pill, they would in a heartbeat, but they don't want to do the work to actually go out and consume all those things that would be in that pill. Um, right. You mentioned there about uh, the importance of diet and the role it plays in, in Alzheimer's. Now, mm -hmm. You mentioned two things and one i think everyone would agree with um and can understand the rationale for and that's that you know the dangers of sugar but mm. when you mentioned uh, the importance of fats i think for a lot of people who don't really already understand this topic fat is a scary word to a lot of people when they don't understand it so let's define that when you're saying good fats what mm. does that mean well one of the best ways to get good fats is directly how the fish get it. Get it through blue-green algae or spirulina. Mm -hmm. Greens are one of the best ways to get it, and you're gonna also get the nutrients. So I always tell people, start the day off with a green drink. Um, actually, Daryl is a good friend of mine, so I do his little concoction, you know, the little yeah, um, yeah, yeah. vitamin C. <laughs> but the, I do that before I do the greens, but there's a, there's a lot of other things you can do, uh, but that's one. And if you're going to do fish, you gotta make sure it's from a good source, you know, fish oils because there's a lot of negatives now you know the the pollution the pollution that we have today but then eat foods that are high in fat good fats i'm not talking about lays potato chips or something like that i mean that's terrible for you uh and seed oils are probably the worst thing they're they, they're now saying they're worse than sugar wow. so when you think about seed oils and what they do to the body uh one example for the listeners they did a study on peanut oil because a lot of people think peanut oil is like a healthy thing because the studies show it wasn't in the art it wasn't in the veins but then every monkey died in that study three months later because all the oils deposited in their capillaries but they didn't tell you that they just went to town making everything with peanut oil you know so because it, it was more the study was more for marketing than it was for really health yeah. so we have to really look at that but i think that um, greens are one way to do it and they're so available now in their that's the direct source the other is to to eat fruits that are dark in nature you know dark fruits because they have things in there that are good um, I always tell people if you really want to know the best diet watch there's a show called I love Lucy you know go and watch that and look at them when when Lucy's eating lunch she's eating a half a sandwich and a little drink you know she doesn't have this big gulp you know this 40 ounce yeah. drink and she's got this burger that the whole family could split in a in a plate of fries that you know could feed an army you know and you know uh, here of course uh everybody says I'll say hey is that a re good restaurant they go oh yeah they give you a lot of food you know people now judge a good restaurant by the amount of food and we can see that in the bellies of every person in america pretty much you know 90 percent of the people and and it's sad because when i travel around the world i see wherever there's fast food weight weight gain follows you know so when you think about the closest you can get to nature the better mm -hmm. so greens vegetables and then if you can eat 
one thing the brain or the body likes is a variety of colors. So you should look at your plate and see a rainbow of colors. You know, these are just simple things you can do. Um, if you're not, if you can get a good source of walnuts, even that aren't mold, I know there's a lot of them that have problems with that too. You know, you, there's a, all these things you got to work on, but, uh, I have some spray that I spray on things that, um, you know, neutralizes all that stuff because you can now, unless you're sourcing it yourself, you just don't know. Um, <clears throat> but also good sources of meat. I'm not a vegetarian because unfortunately I've never seen too many. I've seen a handful of healthy vegetarians, but not too many. Mm -hmm. And, um, but if you can get, and I'm not saying eat meat at every meal, at least once a week, have a good, uh, you know, steak or something like that. That's, that's farm raised. That isn't, uh, you know, because your brain, there's certain things you get out of that. Now, the problem is that, or, or buffalo is even better if you can get that because buffalo isn't cow, you know, so you have, and you, and there's, you want to have foods that are going to feed the cells of your body. Mm. And like I said earlier, light is the most underprescribed nutrient. So if you don't have like red light therapy and infrared and things like that, get outside uh, at sunrise and sunset. They've actually seen that before the UV rays and things get too severe. And then just get out there and walk around. If you can get out barefoot too, <clears throat> we don't need as much food as what everybody thinks. You know, the, we're kind of nomadic. Uh, our bodies are still the same as they were 200,000 years ago. They haven't really changed. And uh, we didn't have a, a, a convenience store on the corner of every, you know, block in our cities back then. So we might even go, I, I like intermittent fasting. Like I usually don't eat till one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And I try to eat in a six hour to eight hour window. I find that because that creates that effigy, uh, autophagy, I mean, that uh, gets rid of those uh, cells. But sleep is the only way the brain detoxes. Yeah. So if somebody asks me, what's the number one thing I can do to prevent Alzheimer's? Fix your sleep. Um, and um, in the, that's what we do. That's what our, our company does most. The, the biggest side effect of my technology is sleep. So in the, the reason that sleep is so important is that's when you're going to build up your neurotransmitter bank account. If, if you don't get the different brainwave states, which happen during sleep, you don't make enough of the 54 different neurotransmitters you need the next day. And if those aren't available, the body will basically downregulate. It will, you'll have anger, fear, resentment. You'll have all, and as soon as you start um, getting into those negative states, one thing happens, you stop breathing. So breath work is probably one of the best things you can learn to do. If you've ever sat next to somebody that has never done any work on themselves, most people hold their breath most of the time they don't even realize it and they they they're sitting there and they're just their their angers you know they're or they're thinking about what they're going to say next they're not listening but they don't realize that they've set a pattern up of non-breathing and we need to learn to breathe through situations when when i'm working with a child for instance uh, coming into the clinic or something like that i i tell them we need you to get into martial arts if it's a boy, typically, if it's a girl, so you need to go do yoga or dance some way. They're not moving enough. Um, there's a um, uh, we know the brain needs movement. You know, uh, two hours of sitting it 10 percent of the oxygen in your brain has now left. So when, when somebody says sitting is the new smoking, it's actually worse because if you, uh, smokers actually have to go outside and stand <laughs> to smoke. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and so there, there's a lot to it. But I think that the uh, it has to be a lifestyle of activity 
proper nutrition. And, and I'm not a nutritionist. You know, we, we do have people on staff that are better at that than me. And of course, Darren is a really good one. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got the book that talks about all of our fatal conveniences and things. Yeah. So, I mean, you have all this information out there and I think people get confused and you have to look at the source of the book or the material you're reading, because if, if it's supported by any government agency, I don't read it because they've been bought out. They've been, I mean, our here, you know, here, I don't know what it is around the world, but in the U.S., our food pyramid is meant to take uh, small cows or pigs and make them big hogs and, cow, and cows that they can sell at market as quickly as possible. They're not meant to make them healthy because they're not living long. Yeah. You know, we, if you want a long life, you got to look at the people that are out there like like yourself or others that are doing podcasts that are sharing longevity tips and then try it for yourself. You know, nothing's better than your own experiment, you know, but you got to be willing to change and you got to be some, most people aren't willing to get through that pain stage of change that happens. You know, they let uh, their old, their old patterns stand in their way. And that's where we need to break up that pattern. I want to tell you guys about London nootropics. Now I use nootropics every single day. And my favorite way of doing that is through London nootropics. London Nootropics are a company that make adaptogenic coffees made with things like lion's mane mushroom, ashwagandha, and so much more. They make amazing tasting coffee, and there are three coffee blends, all with different benefits and properties. The first one is flow. I love using flow. I drink flow to get my mind right, to promote mental clarity and focus. It's like a productivity coffee. I drink it and I get to work and I smash through my work for the day. The next one I want to tell you about is called Mojo. This is good for promoting things like physical endurance, strength, energy, basically everything you need when you're on your way to the gym. It's like the ultimate natural pre-workout, but without all the negative side effects and jitters. I use it on my way to the gym. The third one is Zen. Now I use this in the evening. It's made with ashwagandha and promotes relaxation, helps combat stress, and really helps you wind down in that sort of final third of the day. So if you are interested and you think that you could benefit from any of these adaptogenic coffees, I encourage you all to head to londonnootropics.com and enter the code FREEDOMPACT at checkout for 20% off. Now, I'm not sure how long this code is going to be active. So if you think that any of these coffees sound like they can help you in any way, I would encourage you to take a minute now and go and check them out. And if you are interested, the code Freedom Pact gets you a whopping 20% off. Now, back to the episode. Amazing. So if we get back to, as you mentioned there, it's a lifestyle. Um, let's go to sleep first. We've talked a little bit about its importance and and the role it plays and as we mentioned they're preventing dementia sleep um massive massive topic for me um something i struggled with for, for many many years um in fact i i would say this podcast all almost started with my obsession with sleep i sort of built an instagram account based off of sharing uh, my favorite sort of sleep information so it was very interesting to me and i'd love to talk about it i mm. think now because of the work done by you know many people like yourself like the the andrew hubermans the matthew walkers of the world who are sort of um waking people up no pun intended there um to this topic and the, the importance of sleep i think everyone is in agreement that it is almost the the the, the cornerstone of, of, of your health 
but a lot of people still struggle with it. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making when it comes to their sleep? I think the number one biggest mistake is they watch things that are exciting, either whether it be on their phone, their tablet, their TV, that are exciting, right. you know, that yeah. are triggering um, the norepinephrine and the cortisol and the dopamine. And then they think they're just going to walk into their bedroom, close their eyes and go to sleep. You know, um, it, it's different. If I think that, uh, you know, two or three hours before bed, you should be going around the house, turning off lights. You know, if, if you, and just telling your brain, hey, I'm going to be going to sleep soon. I mean, I don't think everybody has to wear these glasses that they have because some people don't bring in enough light anyway. And the only way we bring light into the brain is usually a lot of the light comes in through our eyes and we do need blue light. Without blue light, we'll have seasonal affective disorder. So I think there's a bad rap about everybody. There's 20% of the population that better wear those glasses or they're not going to sleep at all now because they're too stimulating. But they're, you know, not everybody. But the the reality is that, you shouldn't be watching your screens right before bed. Um, probably, uh, and they don't know how to sleep. They think they're supposed to go brain dead. So what I teach people is to do the 4-8 breath before sleep. And we need to educate our nervous system because nothing's nobody's training our nervous system. Most people wait for life to happen to them instead of through them. Yeah. And what I mean by that is uh, I'm a martial artist. So when you think about flow states and uh, somebody attacking you, if I can get somebody angry, I know I've won because they're in, and that's any, any negative emotional state. So when you're laying in bed, if you focus on the four, eight breath, the breath in is going to trigger your uh, sympathetic system. So you might feel a little stress, a little fear, a little anxiety. That's fine. Acknowledge it. It's not, it's not a bad thing. We need that. And then breathe out to the count of eight and really release the uh, parasympathetic system. Because in what will happen is eventually there'll be no more stress. You'll be breathing in relaxation. You'll be breathing out relaxation. And that can sometimes take up to 15 minutes. And that's okay because that 15 minutes will give you much better sleep. Then you, I mean, if you're listening and you don't have a brain tap, do that tonight. I guarantee you, you're going to have the best sleep you've had. Now, in the morning, we recommend like the breath of fire and maybe some uh, catalyzing breath, like deep breath in through the nose, exhale out through the mouth for 30 reps. And then you hold the breath and you do the three reps of that. And you'll you'll trigger digital coffee is what I call it. You know, you can you can trigger your own, uh, you know, trigger like that. And then in the middle of the day, I recommend for brain regulation using the box breath. You know, these are just the three that I teach my people because they're easy and they, they don't have to have a machine. They don't have to have their smartphone. Uh, and I think that what most people do is they just think life, that like their body, when we're younger, yeah, you can, you know, kids fall asleep playing with the blocks on the floor and they sleep in all weird positions. But as we age, we start to psychologically get in the way of our sleep. Hmm. And I think uh, some people need to take a warm bath, you know, every once in a while just to get the toxins out. You know, they're... Don't drink anything. You know, all the things that you probably told your people about, you know, those are all really standard. Um, but I think you got to actively sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, big deal. Yeah. You know, do your breath work, go back to sleep. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the uh, but if you make a big deal of it, then the brain will make a big deal of it. Yeah. And when somebody tells me, oh, I got to get up because I got to go to the bathroom. That's a brain regulation problem. You should be able to drink a gallon of water and go to sleep and not wake up in the middle of the night. We have a circulating pump with our kidneys. We don't have to go to the bathroom at night. That's that's a lie people tell themselves. You know, you you can your body knows how to regulate that. You know, so you know, our bodies are designed for survival. You know, we didn't always have 
or tap water or, or whatever. I, I don't drink tap water, obviously, but the, you know, the, you don't always have access to clean water. So our body is designed to hold on to it, not to eliminate it. So the, when we, when you think about these things and it's not uncommon for people to wake up at two o'clock in the evening at night, they don't realize that that's also a time when the body increases the temperature two degrees whoever you are, wherever you're at around the world. So if your brain's dysregulated, let's say it goes to three degrees or four degrees, you're waking up throwing the covers off because you're so hot, but it's a brain regulation problem. And, and so once you regulate your brain, you won't have those. I mean, it's just a natural cycle, but if you're dysregulated, your brain goes way out of whack and then you got to bring it back. When I was uh, reading about um, your work, the one thing that jumped out to me um, was this idea of sound and light therapy um, and its relation to the brain's neuroplasticity. I think a lot of people listening, um, like myself, when they read something like that, they're kind of sort of shocked to the idea, don't really understand it. Um, tell us a little bit about that before we dive into it. What, what, is, the, what is the sort of premise behind this? Okay, so when I went to India the first time, and and by the way, after the I, I was voted the researcher of the year last year in India for our our stuff we do, because of we're taking ancient traditions and making modern technology. So Dr. Varun said to me, he goes, Porter, you're cheating. You know, people spend years meditating. What they just put this machine on and they do it. And I said, Varun, Dr. Varun, I said, have you ever meditated to a candle? Oh yeah, all the time. I said, well, you're cheating. He goes, what do you mean? I said, that's just the technology you had at the time. Mm. I said, a candle flickers at 10 hertz frequency. All fires do. You probably know people that say, that fire's mesmerizing, or I can't take my eyes off it. That's because we have mirror neurons. And those mirror neurons are always evaluating our environment. And then our body matches that environment. So that 10 hertz frequency in the brain, and guess what? Our body is designed to absorb light energy. That's what it does. It's also absorb, It's also designed to transmit light energy. Every person you meet is an eight, 10 nanometer light generator. So some people are energy vampires. They don't have enough energy, so they absorb the light of others. And you know them because they're the negative Nellies and they, you know, they're always robbing you of your energy. We call them energy vampires, right? And then you have people that walk in the room, it gets a little brighter because they have more energy. Our cells, they transmit energy. So the reason we need light is our eyes are designed to absorb light energy. That's what they do. And that our eyes are not just attached to our brain. They are the brain. Now, the reason we put it in the ears, and some people go, why do you put light in the ears? What's that? Well, every cell of your body has a chromoform, which means it has a light receptor. And that light receptor is absorbing light energy. And it has a little battery. That's what the chromo, you know, it has a little battery in there, that chromoform that's storing the energy. So in the ears, though, there's pathways to the whole rest of the body, just like there are in the eyes. You know, an iridologist could look at the eyes, an iridologist could look at the ears, you know. And so we're, but, but the reason for the ears is we need energy in the brain to do the work. Most people do not understand yoga. They think they're doing yoga for exercise. That's not the reason it was invented. Yoga was invented to help people meditate because you need energy to meditate. Most people don't have enough energy. You probably heard the expression, oh, Jimmy's so tired, so, so tired, so tired he can't sleep. Yeah. Because he and that's what's happening to adults today. They don't have any energy in their brain, so they can't sleep. So the brain keeps waking them up saying, We need energy, we need energy, we need energy. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna deliver ATP direct. So you can eat food, you can drink water, you can convert it to energy and make ATP to the cells, or you can just deliver it directly. So all the blood in your ears actually goes directly to the brain next. 
That's what regulates brain temperature. So if you want to bring, you could also wear a skull kit. There's a lot of ways to get light into the brain, but for a headset, that was the best way we could find was put it in the ears. And what we found was if we change the frequencies, so people look at our light and they go, what is, what are you, why are you using 470 nanometer light and 650 nanometer light? Well, mainly because those two lights are the most prevalent light in mornings and evenings. So they're going to, they're going to work to reset the body's natural uh, biochemistry, but also they're, those lights in the ears are changing every two minutes to a different noje frequency because the body is always trying to figure out by frequency response, what's going on. So our cells go into cell danger response. So think of cell danger response, like having a big bone, big fire at your mitochondria, but then you put a bunch of wet leaves over top of it. <laughs> you know, that the fire's still burning under there, but it's not doing as good job. So we want to get in, of course, the eyes have the most mitochondria per centimeter, but the brain has the most mitochondria. So if, if we want to feed the brain, what it needs more than anything else is light because it doesn't have to pass by any barrier. Our body is designed, every cell has receptors for it. So it's not like uh, we have to train the brain to do it. The brain does this naturally. So then, so we created biocular, kind of like binaural. It does the same thing. Those are just off a little bit because our brain is always synchronizing the two hemispheres. And neuroscience tells us that we're making up 80% of what we see because reality is happening too fast. So we keep making it up. We keep making it up. Now, some of it's true, but most of it isn't. You know, if you go to the kitchen and you can't find the salt shaker and somebody else is in the dining room, you say, hey, where's the salt shaker? They say it's right there in the counter. You go, no, it isn't. You keep yelling back and forth. Finally, they walk out right in front of you is a salt shaker. That's because your brain didn't render it. In, in psychology, they call it a stictoma. So that means a blind spot. So when we when we have these blind spots, we all have them. You know, there's different tests you can take to see where your blind spot is. But that's just a blind spot in physical reality. We have blind spots in psychological reality. We have blind spots in everything. So we, but the other thing that people don't understand is when you meditate, and we've done over 30,000 brains in the last 10 years since we've had the, the better technology to do it. We've been doing this since the 80s. But uh, the the last 10 years we've been recording and documenting when somebody meditates without light therapy, without using something like our brain tap, we know that 30% of their brain shuts down unless they're using some meditation technique that, uh, I mean, and I can count on one hand, the number of people that meditate, that keep their brain awake. Yeah. And that includes gurus in India, because what happens is the brain is trained to downregulate. It's an energy hog. It uses 25% of the energy. So if it gets a chance to shut down, it shuts down. You know, as an example, if you know how to use, um, how to speak more than one language, you have a brain circuit that stayed awake. If you didn't learn a new language by the age of seven, that brain circuit never recovers or they, they haven't found a way to reactivate it. Because when you think about learning a language, we didn't, nobody that I know as a baby learned a language by going to English class. They absorbed English. And as an example, my science officer, when we went to India a few years back, he had never been there before. He speaks five languages. He's he's a super smart guy. But we're there for three weeks. He's talking to a guy in, in Hindi. And I said, Francisco, when did you learn Hindi? He said, we've been here for three weeks. He had the circuit. So he basically absorbed a language in three weeks. I said, how many languages do you speak? He says, I speak almost, if I'm around, he was a flight attendant when he was in college. He said, but if I was going to a country, if I spent a couple of weeks there, I'd know their language because that's the way our brain works. It does vibratory information and frequency response are going to be the future of learning as well as health, because we're not 
we don't learn the way they think we do. Our schools are still in the 1800s. You know, our brain is much more capable than what we're being told. Well, I'm looking at my notes here. And one other thing that's sticking out to me um, is this idea of the relationship between or the use of music and brain health slash cognitive decline. What is the approach there? What 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 do we know? What what have we learned between the the relationship between brain health and music? Is that you know is that even something we should consider? That sounds like something I have never heard about this before. Yeah, well, there's something called the Mozart effect. If somebody wants to look that up in research, and what they showed was when you play that baroque classical music, which now could be any new age kind of music without you know a certain rhythm and cadence they call it 10 cycle music so what it does is it synchronizes the hemispheres because we're always trying to find balance and harmony even though some people don't appear to be doing that <laughs> their brain is still trying to figure that out even when when i wrote programs for the state of arizona here for duis um I basically taught them from a book called Finding Your Perfect High, which is all about people get high because they want to get balanced, not because they want to get unbalanced. They, they're thinking it's going to get them balanced, but it doesn't. So music does that naturally. So it, there's a lot of studies. Now, we did a study in Brazil with a thousand students, and we showed that when the music plays, the brain regulates. But when the music turns off, it goes right back. But when you put an algorithm like our algorithm into it, it takes 72 hours to regulate back to the stress brain. That's why we call it brain fitness, because you got to train the brain. The music is just a frequency that we're responding to. It's like going to the ocean, and we, we love being by the ocean because we're getting a 10-cycle 10, 10 response. We're creating alpha. We're creating acetylcholine, the, the fall-in-love kind of neurotransmitter that in the feel-good neurotransmitter. So we're sitting there, and it's our body's basically creating it because we're in that environment. That's Our body's always basically vibrating and teeming with its environment. So knowing this, is it possible to create sort of um, specific sort of the optimal musical piece then that is beneficial? Oh yeah, we've done it. We have over we have over six hundred sessions that are music only that have the algorithm in the background, and we have over a hundred sessions just for gamma. So if somebody has Alzheimer's, we'll probably find they have almost zero. You should have at least two to three uh, percent gamma while you're awake. And think of gamma as the bass drum to the brain. So what happens as people age, they, they lose their gamma response. And then the brain dysregulates. Because could you imagine having a band without a bass drum? Mm. You know, that's that's what happens when you lose gamma. So gamma is just in the background, just always steady, it's steady eddy doing its thing. So you've mentioned this term, uh, brain fitness, a few times. Um, a lot of people may not know what that means exactly explain this concept um, and what comes to mind when you hear the words brain fitness right well we all know you know back in the 1800s when dr kellogg started the first health food store everybody thought he was crazy why should we take supplementation and do all these things we now take that for granted in the 70s when they started this exercise movement people like kathy smith and people like that that started teaching people how to exercise i still remember going to my family in Iowa and saying, I'm going for a run. They go, why are you doing that? I go, I gotta stay in shape. I'm going to play football. And he goes, why don't you come out on the farm and work, you know, but we don't. So now everybody, I don't know too many people would argue with being physically fit. Now we're coming to an age where we're figuring out that we need to work our brains. And what we're talking about there is neurologically working them out. So how do we keep our, our neurology, or our neuroplasticity? When you think of neuroplasticity, think of 
the brain's capacity to work. And that means increasing the energy in the brain. Like in our, our dementia study that we did, where we took every person in the study off dementia, in six weeks, we increased their, uh, what they call their neuroplasticity score by 39% in six weeks. That's by feeding the brain what it needed most, light, and regulating it with sound and vibration. So the brain needed that. Now, if we only did it once, no big deal. But you have to do it, the nervous system itself, which is the brain, and that the brain isn't just located between the ears. The brain, the first dysregulation happens in the heart. There's 40,000 neutrino cells in the heart. That's a brain. And if you don't have heart rate variability, I can tell you the next thing that's going to happen is dementia. Because that's the communication between the heart and the brain. Now, the, the second biggest brain is your gut. There's more neuron connections in your gut than there are in the brain between your ears. So if you don't have good gut health, that's why I said diet is so important. So when you think about everybody wants to get like the pill, right? So the, the pill goes into the gut. It's dysregulated. You're in high sympathetic. Guess what happens to that, that drug or that nutrient? It gets flushed out of the system because when you're in high sympathetic, you're not digesting and metabolizing and utilizing the foods. It, when somebody says you are what you eat, no, you're, you are what you digest, metabolize, and use. You know, you're, you're not what you eat because a lot of people eat a bunch of crap and they're, they become that, but they're not really healthy. I mean, even some, you know, a lot of vegetarians, and jokingly saying that earlier, a lot of vegetarians turn to sugars. Or, or things that are sugar-based, you know, they turn into sugar, you know, carbohydrates, just because they're not meat. Yeah. And the, the reality is that we need to, we need to at all costs slow down sugar. You know, so fat fiber in, uh, you know, when you think about fat fiber and protein, that should be the focus of anybody who's concerned about their their brain. How much fat, how much fiber, how much protein? Fiber is the, especially when we move into the holidays, <laughs> You know, people should be increasing, not too fast because it could act like cement in the system. You know, you don't want to be clogged up. But if you if you drink, if you start increasing your fiber, you better increase your water, you know, so you can flush it out because fiber will absorb those toxins and it will absorb the excess sugar. <laughs> the the last thing I really wanted to ask you about before we let these guys listening know where they can find out more about BrainTap <laughs> and, and your work is the relationship between stress living a stressful life and i suppose your ability to to manage that stress and its effect on cognitive decline right i don't believe we have a stress problem in the world today i believe we have a capacity problem because we can handle the stress but if you don't ever down regulate hmm. where you know where you don't ever do some kind of mindfulness practice or physical exercise you've got to do something to um, you know, like a lot of people can identify with, you know, you get into this certain place and then you go for a good cry. Then afterwards you feel better. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. or you have a good laugh. You know, you, somebody tells a joke when things are tense, that's their nervous system re-regulating. So think of it like we have to get our nervous system out of its patterns. If we keep in the same pattern, the brain will downregulate. Our, our, we, we need stress to grow and learn and develop. So stress isn't a bad thing. We have to build our capacity for that stress. You know, in what happens with most people is they keep, you know, the old saying is they, they pray to God. You don't pray to God to get rid of your stress. You pray to God to give you the strength to handle your stress. You know, so when you think about whatever is going on, we have the capacity. It's just we're not activating it. That's why we 
most people know somebody that was very negative and they were, you know, nobody wanted to be around them. Then they started exercising, eating well. And they go, wow, this guy told me to total turnaround. Well, yeah, his physiology changed and now his psychology changed. And then there's other people that their psychology changes and then they go out and they start getting physically fit, eating well. So what I, what I've learned over the years and 40 years of doing this is why don't you do them all right now? It's not one of them that's going to do it. You've got to do them all. You know, there's, you can't just do physical fitness. You, I mean, I've known people that, that eat really well. I mean, eat better than I do, but their family members still get cancer. They still get sick. They still, because they're, they're eating that way. So they won't get sick. That'd be like me saying, don't think of a dancing pink elephant. You're going to think of that dancing pink elephant. So you should be eating just to, to know that your body needs the nutrients to provide you the life that you want to live. And that lifestyle should be one of joy and happiness and health and focus on that. And if you're not getting that, what do you need to do to upgrade your diet so you can have that energy to do that? Because we really do live in an energy economy. If you don't have energy, you become negative Nelly, right? And you, you can't, nobody wants to be around you because you'd be like Elo Eeyore on, uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh or something. You know, we want to, we want to make, when you have energy, people love to be around high energy people. And so become one of those high energy people and you'll be in demand. You know, that's the way it works. What I love about episodes like this is when there's so much actionable advice. Um, you've given so much actionable advice today. There's so many takeaways that people can come away from listening now and can start implementing. But if I were to ask you, um, if you imagine a listener who's brand new to this topic right now, they've never really thought about brain fitness. They've never really thought about, you know, the possibilities of cognitive decline. If you were to issue one challenge to our listeners today to come away from this podcast and maybe it's something they start thinking about more consciously, maybe it's something they implement into their routine or is the one challenge that you would issue to our listeners today? start doing breath work, start figuring out how to, most people do not know how to breathe. And that's, that's a key to life, right? I mean, it's, we take it for granted. We can only go so long without a breath, but in people in, in, I find that when people start regulating their breath, their sleep improves because their sleep is bad at night because they're not sleeping because they're snoring or they're breathing. But when you practice breathing, that carries over into your sleep. So practice those breath techniques that I talked about earlier in the show. That would be, that would be the next thing. If you don't want to go do the 14 day trial, do those three, go do those three breaths during the day. And you can do the, you can do the box breath while you're driving your car, riding your bike. It doesn't matter. You can do those while you're active. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Just a side note. I wonder, have you ever read the work or maybe spoken to James Nestor at all? No. So he I wrote a book um, on breath um, and I've done a podcast with, with him um it's a it's a it was a smash hit of a book you should look it up um and i'd love to hear you guys talk so you know maybe you could have a conversation on your podcast maybe i could connect you both but yeah that'd be great love to yeah because we promote breath work uh we have breath source we've in some other people that we put on our app because Mm -hmm. we want i want people to learn about it i mean and i'm not a breath expert but i do it know every day but i just haven't take, got my certificate or whatever yeah, you know but exactly. there i've been doing it i'd study with yogi bhajan for for five years doing kundalini breathing and wow. continue to do it because I, I and i think that's what really opened up my brain you know getting more oxygen into the system amazing well i'd love to two people james nesta and patrick McEwen, two people i'd love to see you have a conversation with hopefully i can connect you there um <laughs> 
before we go, please let everyone listening or and watching where they can find uh, more from yourself, where they can connect with you and find more of your work. Yeah. If they go on any social media and put at DR Patrick Porter, they'll see a lot of videos that I've done, other podcasts and things like that, and some that I've done with other people as well. Um, and they can go to braintap.com or drpatrickporter.com is my website. They can check us out there. And we're we're pretty much all over the world. So if they want to, if they want to try something out and they let us know, we probably have an office. We have 4,000 clinics around, around the world, so we can help them out. I will make sure all that is linked in the description below. Dr. Patrick Porter, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great.